0: Hi everyone, it's Melinda Garvey with the See It To Be It podcast. This week, we have another great interview with an incredible role model. Stay tuned. Hello everyone, welcome to the See It To Be It podcast. I'm your host, Melinda Garvey, founder of On The Dot, whose mission is to lead women to success through the stories and actionable advice from role models. And the key to these role models, however, is that they're relatable role models. They're not your average movie star, or Oprah, not that we don't all love those people, but we, there are so many phenomenal women that we can learn from and be inspired by. And today is no different. And I am excited to welcome Katrina Walker, who is the CEO and founder of CodeOptech, a coding school for women, trans, and non-binary people. She is coming to us from Barcelona, so welcome. Thanks for having me, Melinda. Or as my dad said as I was walking into this, he said, it's Barcelona. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm not sure that's going to come through on a podcast. People (laughs) people in the U.S. are going to think, you know, I just have a lisp or something, but anyway, Excited to have you here. So before we get started, I always like to go way back. So that big dream when you were growing up as a little girl, what do you think you'd be doing when you grew up? You
1: know, I wanted to be a neuroscientist. Math and science were my favorite subjects, and I, for whatever reason, was really interested in the brain. And so I remember actually having a book that had an illustration of the brain and just sort of taking this book, sitting at the table and trying to memorize the different areas for whatever reason. But it was neuroscience.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Even to identify, you know, sort of that that whole neuroscience in the brain, you usually when you're young, that's like icky, right? You know, It's like, oh,
1: what's that? Yeah, I have no idea where it came from, quite frankly. I mean, my father owns a plumbing contracting company and there was no neuroscience or even science. In my life, in terms of my parents or my grandparents, but it came from somewhere.
0: And where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in San Jose, California, in the heart of Silicon Valley, yes.
0: So tell us about your path to Barcelona, moving there, and why you were inspired to sort of take your passion to Barcelona.
1: Yeah, so at this time, I was around the age of 30, and I had discerned a vocational pattern, which was I was sort of trying on different jobs. I had done a master's. I had traveled around and I kept on landing these jobs in which ultimately I would end up becoming quite bored and didn't feel that I was working my capacity mentally. I felt like I still had a lot of intellectual bandwidth that I wasn't using and I felt like pursuing tech actually would get me there, right? And it's something that I wanted to do as a kid for a long time. I, I loved computer science and growing up in the heart of Silicon Valley, but I wasn't pushed to pursue it. Meanwhile, you know, all my friends are working in tech with a lot of privilege doing interesting work. And I sort of longed for all the privileges that came along with that. But I had a lot of fear to pursue it because that wasn't my background. I came from a social science background, right? Studying psychology. My first job out of college, I was a social worker at Planned Parenthood. And so I was 30 years old and I said, you know, now or never, basically. And so I was looking for a data science graduate program that was within the social science department. I thought that that would be a point of entry for me rather than studying data science in a computer science department or a statistics department. And so I had three filters. And, and that was to find a data science program within a social science department. I wanted it to be in person, not online. And I wanted it to be affordable, which is those three things. Mm. And that actually ended up being the Graduate School of Economic in Barcelona, real serendipity that this was a school in such a cool place. And I applied, I was accepted. And so four years ago, I moved to Barcelona to study data science.
0: Very fascinating. You know, you talk about, you know, starting out in social work and Planned Parenthood and the things that you did. You know, I wonder how does that sort of inform, you know, what you're doing today and how do all the puzzle pieces come together?
1: First, it was, you know, really meaningful work that I did at Planned Parenthood as a caseworker. I was working with pregnant and parenting youth and, you know, I was working with communities very different from my own. And that really turned my eyes on to what a lot of different people experience, right? So it certainly cultivated relational skills, sensitivity, awareness into a lot of structural issues. And so certainly that experience planted uh, the seeds in me to want to pursue work that was meaningful, right? And so I was on this journey of wanting to find a work that was both intellectually engaging, but also meaningful, And that's really hard to find the sort of crystallization of that, right? And so I've sort of been on this journey, collecting various elements from different jobs, hoping that at some point I would have this stew as I'm collecting different ingredients and cooking it. And I didn't know what it was. It was fuzzy because I, you know, it was a really nonlinear path. And then it sort of crystallized with Kodak because, yes, it's a for-profit business, but it's a social venture, which means that we have this mission. Obviously, having your own company, there's a steep learning curve there and lots of challenges. And so that is intellectually engaging. But in the end, we're doing educational work, which is always quite powerful.
0: So let's talk a little bit about CODOP and founding it, you know, sort of the why behind that and, and specifically, you know, founding something that is for women. And why did you feel passionate about, you know, about founding a company that really helped help right. women?
1: So this was not part of the plan. Launching CODOP was not part of the plan. I wanted to study data science uh, to really develop my technical skills and then potentially pursue a PhD to do social research. But what happened was that when I started working as a data scientist, well, also while well, studying as a data scientist, you know, I was in my early 30s and all my peers were like 24-year-old boys who were great, but a little different. Um, They're my brothers, you know, I love them. Um, But there's no question that having a network of women in the technical space is really important when you're embarking on your technical journey. And so while I was working as a data scientist, I was one of two women. I had no female managers and overall basically felt quite alienated. And that's where this idea of creating a coding school for women, it was basically addressing something really, personal that I had experienced. And in fact, my plan B, had I not been accepted to the Graduate School of Economics, was to go to an all-women coding school in San Francisco. And I got my first choice, but I was aware that these things existed, even though they're not common. So um, coding schools are are worldwide, but coding schools that specifically serve women are less than one percent.
0: I think that you're absolutely right. It's such a constant topic of conversation in the tech world about how to attract more women to STEM and how to get them excited about it. And even young girls in STEM. And, you know, we work a lot with Girl Scouts and Sylvia Acevedo, who's CEO of Girl Scouts USA. And they're doing all this stuff for STEM, but it's really, really challenging. And I think because they have a lot of success in Girl Scouts, because the girls come together and learn together and get excited together and they see others like them and they don't feel that embarrassment or, you know, whatever it is, the less than the confidence gap I do think you're definitely on to something. So what's the future for Codeop? Do you think that it might be something you expand to other places?
1: Yeah. So our mission is to become the first international coding school for women. So of the coding schools out there now, um, they stay really local. And the problem we're trying to address is a chronic world problem. So we see that as an opportunity, which led earlier this year, we launched CodeUp in Malaysia, in Kuala Lumpur. And now we're in conversation to launch CodeUp in East Africa. So the intention is to certainly branch out with our in-person boot camps. But even now, through our remote boot camps, it's quite international. We have women coming from Africa, Asia, the Americas, Europe. Um, So there is this international component.
0: Very cool. Well, and of course, you know, in the world we're living in today where, you know, everything has by force moved online and virtual, You know, I think it does also create opportunity for people just to have a better understanding. It's like, okay, well, you know, it doesn't have to be local and in person. Yeah. And I can meet other people, not by just walking into a classroom, but doing it in a exactly. virtual space. So there's probably some interesting opportunities popping up for you.
1: Yeah, no question. I have to say that I originally kind of had a, a negative bias towards remote learning. And I realized once we moved to remote learning food camp, that um, so long as the instructors are are present, give the live lectures, then the knowledge is transferred. Some of our best presentations have come through our remote boot camps. And so it's still a very valuable
0: tool. It's a different experience, right? I think that's super interesting. And in fact, I'm going to all these events. In fact, I'm heading to an event right after I'm done speaking with you today. One of those that has all the avatars and you walk into a room and you walk into the auditorium. And I was looking around in it And I'm just like, okay, this is just weird. Can I just see a person's face? Maybe that appeals to men because they are into gaming or something. I don't know what it is. Like (laughs) I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of friends, and they're like, oh gosh, so many of the people are going to these really slick type. And it's cool at first, but then you just want a real person. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's very interesting, you know, how this is all going to be sorted out. So tell me, as a woman in STEM, where do you go for mentorship or guidance?
1: Well, the truth is I'm not doing much data science these days, though, like many of the skills I learned around troubleshooting, you know, iterating your models have transferred to a business context. And so I have to say, when I launched CodeUp and I had no idea what I was doing because I never studied business and I've never done this before, I found an all women's founders group on Facebook, a virtual community. I've never met most of these women ever, and it's been the most powerful group that I've tapped into as an entrepreneur. I mean, they helped me when I was fundraising. They gave me so much guidance and they're sort of always there. And these are women who are seasoned entrepreneurs, to VCs, a really rich virtual group. This has been my number one source to tap into when I need support from, like I said, fundraising to legal guidance to PR and management.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, and I think that that's wonderful that you have found a group like that, you know, at starting a business. And, you know, of course, we now know the stats say that, you know, when women band together and help each other, oh, yeah. you know, inherently, we are all more successful. So. Yeah, 100%. It's powerful. You
1: know, I'm part of other business groups that are, that are co ed. It's a completely different experience. No, yeah. a lot more arrogance and, um, le- you know, less humility. And when we want to learn from one another, it's fantastic to just hear someone say how much they've struggled while trying to raise around. That's where the valuable information is.
0: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) It is. I know that pain. (laughs) Those one right in the middle of a pandemic. So some crazy times, but it definitely is, you know, helpful to have people around you that, you know, know what they're doing and have been there, done that. So
1: 100%.
0: What's the, either the best advice that you've gotten over the years or a piece mm-hmm. of advice that you really like to give maybe to your students or people up and coming? I have to
1: say I've had a mentor for a long time. This was someone that I met during my graduate studies. He's mastered the art of getting along with people with very different personalities who have different truths than your own. Rather than being a contentious point when someone has a different truth than your own, he sort of trained me to always see that as really interesting. Like you think one way and I think <laughs> totally differently to you. And so this sort of um, being able to handle different psychologies has been really valuable. And also just sort of distancing yourself from relationships and trying to address them sort of logically and honor people's differences. For me, this, is, this has been really valuable to sort of not feed into the emotional roller coaster of having your own business. So just this piece of advice to welcome different ways of thinking, different styles, and to keep a certain distance to it.
0: Mm, I love that. And I like to say that, you know, I, it's interesting as I've gotten older, I really like to have my mind changed. And I never used to. And now even sometimes I can feel that resistance, but then I almost get excited when someone changes my mind about something because I know that I've grown. I know I've learned something. And I think that that's really a part of that is because I think when you actually are open, like you said, being open to these other viewpoints, right. you really hear them, right? Yeah. And maybe there, there's always a nugget in there somewhere. So I think that's- 100%. Them. We should try to find those nuggets. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. We need every little nugget, every little bit. Right. It's not
1: going to be easy to find those nuggets sometime, <laughs> but assume that there is a nugget there somewhere.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. It's been so great talking to you today and learning about what you're doing. Can you tell our listeners where they can find out more about you and find out more about CODOP?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So first um, through our website at CODOP, which is codop.tech, code like coding, op.tech. Okay. You can find information about me there as well as connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to
0: speak with people who are, you know, thinking about pursuing entrepreneurial activities. Awesome. Well, thank you, Katrina. I really appreciate it so much. I can't wait to see what you do next and see this big international coding school develop because I have a feeling you're going to be just the one to do it. Thanks so much, Melinda. Thanks for listening to the See It To Be It podcast. For more female empowerment, inspiration, and advice, Subscribe to our free weekly newsletter featuring a new woman to watch each week. And check out over a thousand more featured women at OnTheDotWoman.com. Know someone we need to feature? Reach out at OnTheDotWoman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.